Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. My name is Mandy Adams, and I have the privilege of leading the Behind the Lids Healing Collective here in Costa Mesa, California. Our podcast is an opportunity to share the wisdom of facilitators who hold space and bring healing at our studio, as well as experts and influencers we believe you should know about. Before we join our conversation for today, we'd love for you to hear about an upcoming event at Behind the Lids. We have some exciting news to share with you. Behind the Lids is now offering online classes, and we just announced the first four taught by Mana Dabokar, psychic medium, life coach, and former therapist. If you're curious about communicating with animals, discovering and developing your eight clairs, your intuitive senses, overcoming self-doubt and unleashing inner confidence, or learning how to interpret your dreams, head on over to behindthelids.com online. That's behindthelids.com slash online and learn more about our new online classes. Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. I'm your host, David Trotter, and today our guest is Andrea Lowell, self-mastery mentor and creator of the I Am Everything Project. After spending over half of her life in the entertainment industry, she discovered it's not about being on TV, having a house on the beach, or a cool car in the driveway that equates success. Andrea used her own despair and hopelessness as the fertile ground for radical self-improvement and personal growth. She put this blueprint for bliss into her mentorship program called the I Am Everything Project. In today's conversation, Andrea shares how she transitioned from playboy to self-mastery coach, why she believes we can create our own new reality, and what is self-mastery and why it's so important. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Andrea Lowell. Well, Andrea, thanks so much for taking time to hang with me today. I do appreciate it. Oh my gosh, David, what an honor. I'm so excited to chat with you and see where this conversation goes. Yeah. All right, so I want to start off by talking about reality, right? For many people, reality is kind of fixed. Like my life is what it is. I don't, I can't really change it much. Um, Do you believe that we can create a new reality? And if so, how would we go about doing that? 1000%. I think we can create a new reality based on my own experience, my clients' experiences, and pretty much everyone in my life that is in my tribe. We've all came from somewhere and that is no longer where we reside now. So I really want to let people know that the only constant really in life is change. And it's when we are suffering and it's that suffering that traps us in that fixed mindset. And it's definitely a mindset of stagnation. Like you said, this is it. It can't change. I'm stuck. And staying stuck or trapped in that belief that we can't change or should not change or are too afraid to change, um, that's what is going to keep us limited. And that usually stems from living uh, in the mind, you know, not having that heart connection and living from those areas of lower consciousness, the fear, the shame, the guilt, the low self-worth and um, a lack of a true spiritual connection is what I found. So our perception, which is our mindset, is what's going to rocket launch us into any direction of co-creating. And I say co-creating because I don't just do this. I do this through universal consciousness. I do this through the divine, aka God, or whatever anyone wants to call it. So if I'm in, you know, that victim mode or that pity party mode, what do I think? is going to be my reality that's surrounding me. 
uh, more events, more people, and probably more situations in which my low self-worth or pity party mentality is always on the forefront. Mm -hmm. So I guess to explain this, you and I can talk about the quantum reality. And, you know, you and I would probably use that term reality in air quotes. <laughs> right, right, right. In, you know, in, in which we all live, which we do think is fixed, but it's really not. You know, we know that everything is energy and energy is vibrations, frequencies, wiggles, and waves of energy, information, and intention. So if people are like, what are you talking about? Like wiggles of what? <laughs> so let's look at uh, kind of what is actually tangible, things we can touch or, or see or think about. So like we're all made from the same stuff, right? Carbon, phosphorus, you know, elements, things we see on the periodic table. Mm -hmm. um, so a tree is made out of the exact same material as my skin cells. Hmm. So what makes them different? The energy, the information, and the intention behind everything on that quantum level. Hmm. And so then it's like, well, what makes a skin cell different than a liver cell if they're all the same raw materials? The intention. So everything that we see materialize in this realm that we call Earth, the world, is intention through vibrations. Because when we go down to the quantum level, we know that 99.99999% uh, of what we're feeling and touching is empty space. So what is that? That's that mm. quantum soup of those wiggles and waves and energy sources and information and intention. So intention is everything. So if I'm stuck in my mindset and I'm intending subconsciously to be stuck in this victim mode, right. that's a slippery slope and right, it right, feels right. like we're stuck. Mm -hmm. I think about uh, my own upbringing. I grew up in a family where my dad worked for the government for most of my life, and then he transitioned into being a pastor. And then my mom worked for a bank as like the administrative assistant to the president. And so they went to work kind of at eight o'clock and came home at five, five thirty, something like that. And that right. was the rhythm of their life. And it wasn't until after college, after college, that I started to come into contact with people who didn't have eight to five jobs that actually <laughs> started their own business that had, they were entrepreneurial. They, I don't even know where I thought businesses came from, you know, mm -hmm. like who started these things? I, right. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it because it, it wasn't on my radar because it wasn't part of my personal experience. Right. So, you know, it's hard to have a different intention when I don't even have access to the idea that my life could be different, you know, and then of course I started having these entrepreneurial um, dreams and hopes and taking next steps and so forth. So I think about people who are listening that go, yeah, but so part of it could be a lack of self-worth to think that I couldn't do it. But part of it can also be that I don't even have an example that life could be different because I, I, I know that there are people out and this could be involving business. It could involve health. It could involve relationships, spirituality, mm -hmm. what it might be. Well, everybody I know has a certain faith. What do you mean I could have a different way of thinking about things? You know what I mean? Totally. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to even have intention when I don't even have access to the possibility of something. Well, I think if anyone's listening to this, they are already tuned in to their soul is saying it's time to change, 
right? Like we don't know what we don't know. And I love that example you gave of being 18 and not even knowing because I identify with that. I had no clue how stuff really worked. <laughs> Who's a business person? How do they own things? Like how, how do you even write a check type of thing, you know? But then you start getting exposed and you have to start listening to the call of your soul. And mm -hmm. that's our dharma, right? That's our soul mission. That's our soul path. So we can say, it doesn't matter where I started, but if I actually listen to the calling of my heart, that's how I can start following those breadcrumbs that the divine starts leaving, leaving for me. So I know in my 20s, I was being dropped little breadcrumbs and I just brushed them away hogwash mm. bs nothing because i was give me an example a, give me an example of that like what were things that were coming into your life that you thought eh, it's just not it's, it's not for me well um i was working on radio and television and my personal trainer at the time was like you need to become a personal trainer and i was like why like i'm on tv why would i become a personal trainer and i brushed it aside because i was in my ego at this point in my life. I didn't even know you could live from the heart center. And if someone would have told me you could, I would have been like, yeah, right, hippie weirdo. Like, <laughs> Stop talking. So it's like, like I said, you don't know what you don't know. But then it started gnawing at my heart. My soul started speaking louder than my mind. And I was like, hmm, I actually really do enjoy when I'm at the gym and my personal trainer's training me, nah, brush that breadcrumb away. Makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking, oh, I'm going to start, maybe I'll look online and, and see what it takes to become one. And I'm like, nah, brush it away, brush it away. It just makes no sense. Why would I quote unquote downgrade my life? But again, mm -hmm. that was my perception. That was, you know, the karmic filter I was looking through that somehow being a trainer was less than being on TV. Little did I know, be way more gratifying for me personally. So many examples happen like that with the personal training suggestion. Finally, when I knew that my soul was speaking louder than my mind and I just couldn't stop thinking about it, I had innate talent in it. Um, it was a passion of mine. I went online, I took a test and I was a trainer for a decade and it brought me so much joy, but I really had to wait until those breadcrumbs, I always say like turned into a big loaf of like French bread and knocked me over the head with it. I was just like denying, denying, denying. And a lot of people, when they push those breadcrumbs away or they're getting hit in the head with a loaf of French bread, you know, that's when we start to suffer and we start to feel trapped because we don't have the courage to be uncomfortable. We don't have the courage to let other people down. Because I remember at the time, my co-host, when I would mention it, he would say to me, Andrea, why the hell would you become a personal trainer? That is so beneath you. Da, 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 da. And one of the reasons I stayed stuck was because of the opinions of other people. Mm -hmm. So that can really cause us to have a very small world when we are just living from those lower aspects of our consciousness, the shame, the guilt, the people pleasing, the fear, the comfortability with being really dissatisfied. You know, even though I was on TV and I think we'll probably get to that a little bit later in our convo, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. So with that contrast mm -hmm. of being on air every day and talking about BS crap and mm -hmm. then being on the workout floor, you know, for a fraction of the income and helping people one-on-one, -on -one, ooh, I was so freaking 
overwhelmed with joy. You know, mm. when you're in that flow state and hours pass by and you look at the clock and you're like, oh my God, my shift is over. What? Mm. But when I was on air, I was looking at the clock counting down the seconds. When mm. is this going to be over? Mm -hmm. And that's how I knew, wow, there's something here. There's some magic here. So I encourage everyone to keep their eyes open for the signs, the breadcrumbs, the synchronicities, as we like to call them, because right. everyone has a divine team, which is angels, spirit guides, ancestors, the divine God, nature, all of it. No one is special in that regard. We all have them. So we got to choose to start listening to the little whispers and little breadcrumbs they send us. So I encourage mm -hmm. everyone to start opening their eyes and you really got to believe it to see it. Mm -hmm. Take us back to when you said you were on television and on radio, I believe, all yeah. with um, Playboy. And how did you make that shift finally where you were... Uh, you know, I would assume, man, you're in the in a limelight in a certain niche, and people are looking to you in a in a certain way, looking up to you, um, admiring you. And then, how how did you step out of that to make the transition to ultimately become a self mastery coach? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? So. I started working for Playboy when I was 19 years old, and I started as a model. And then I, in turn, ended up on a reality show, and then I came to be interviewed on SiriusXM's Playboy channel. They really liked me and asked me if I'd be the permanent co-host. And this was not my intention at the time. I was um, you know, going to UC Irvine. I was a biology major. But being young and not knowing what I know, I I went for that easy paycheck. I really mm -hmm. did. And just like you said, I was in this world, this Playboy niche, where like, I'm the coolest person in town. I get red carpet access to everything. Um, really, it was a dream world. But a dream world on that kind of lower level, ego-driven consciousness. And for a young girl from 19 to, you know, about 30, uh, <laughs> this was a long career. Um, that's where I was residing. I was mm. living in my head. I was living in my ego. I thought I was so cool. Mm. I spent all my time shopping, working out with trainers, getting massages and drinking. I was mm. partying like a rock star because my belief was if you are in Playboy, if your whole personality is based on that stereotype, well, I got to be the best version of that stereotype I can be, mm -hmm. which is going to be kind of a vapid blonde dingling that likes to go out and travel and do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So I became a caricature of myself. I mm. was not me at all. I was becoming who I thought my producers wanted to be my fans wanted me to be. I really mm -hmm. loved making my fans happy. And um, over time, I was absolutely miserable. And intellectually, I couldn't make sense of it. I have a house on the beach. I got a cool car. I'm in a dope relationship. I get paid to travel. I get paid to show up at a club and drink. Like, mm -hmm. why am I so unhappy? Mm -hmm. Why am I jealous of my friends who have so much less? How come I've hit all the markers of success that society tells me, but I am spiritually and emotionally bankrupt? Mm. And I kept trying to intellectualize my way out of a spiritual problem mm. and an emotional problem 
And that took me deeper down into the pits of despair. And I had no humility, David. So I couldn't ask for help because humility is a spiritual principle and a virtue, Mm -hmm. and I did not have it. Mm. So my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I didn't even tell him that I was suffering. I didn't Mm. tell my family. In fact, I pushed my family away, and I just kept putting on this facade to everyone else that I'm having the time of my life, and I am so cool, and um, don't you want to come party with me? Mm. And uh, that frustration that I lived in and that absolute envy that I lived in of my friends. Like, how come they're so happy? I don't understand what is wrong with me. How come I can't be honest with myself? These were the thoughts that were circulating in my head night after night for, I would say like the past three years of my career and this Mm -hmm. point of my journey, I just was in anguish for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, but didn't have the courage to do anything. And I would buy the self-help books and I would like, you know, uh, self-diagnose myself. Maybe you have borderline personality disorder. Like, you know, the problem was always like not the choices I was making or the reality I was living in. It was, it had to be, you know, a psychological <laughs> disorder, right? It couldn't be like, oh, you have a spiritual size hole, maybe fill it with the divine. Mm. Oh, you have an emotional size hole, maybe fill it with love and compassion mm. and acceptance. Mm-hmm. No, it was, you got a problem, you got to think your way out of it because the only thing I had going for me was my thinking. And my thinking was what led me to that misery. So I was mm-hmm. just in this circular BS. So finally, I just was had enough of my rock bottom, and I had an instant awakening, which in Japanese is the word satori, which just means you just wake up. Like mm-hmm. people say, oh, were you on plant medicine? Were you on a mushroom trip? I'm like, no. <laughs> I was literally like sitting in the makeup chair at work, looking at myself in the mirror, and just tears started rolling down. Wow. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Wow. I ju- I'm a fraud. It was like a truck hit me. You're mm-hmm. a liar. You're a fraud. You're a phony. But it mm-hmm. wasn't to the world. It was I was lying to myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just relieved and mortified mm-hmm. simultaneously. And yeah, from yeah. that day forward, my life changed. Mm, wow. Yeah. You know, I can't help but think about the... Um, the nature of that industry is objectification. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. That's, the, that's the, the sole principle is the objectification of women and which is the devaluing, which then reduces someone's self-worth to pretty much the way that I would assume the way that you look, right? So it's all external appearance and probably then personality of making people feel good around you, I would assume. Um, but how how did you manage that shift from the one who is being objectified to then kind of shifting to find your worth in other ways? Like how did what was that path like for you? I really had to look at the truth of my being. I am not this body. I have a body. My soul is what is important here. And I am insulting my soul so much, which is why I am so miserable. I really acknowledged the fact that I was insulting my soul and Mm. I was truly just embodied in third dimensional bullshit. I had to get really real with myself. So I really looked at my life inside and out. I, I combed through my life with a fine tooth comb. I looked at what was 
awesome about me, those mm-hmm. innate passions, those talents, which sure. are all wrapped into my dharma. And guess what? I am smart. Mm-hmm. I am compassionate. I am a loving person. I am an honest person. No wonder I was miserable because I was mm-hmm. putting all of my value onto the things that I was not. Mm. Beauty fades. This skin suit that I'm wearing is not what's eternal, is not what matters. What matters is the soul that resides within. And these natural abilities that I chose in this life cycle to embody, right? Like my, I know that my dharma had to be the way that it had to be. I had to go through that. I ha- I picked this body for a reason. These are the mm-hmm. lessons that I wanted. And when I ignored the signs, I suffered, suffered, suffered until I got hit with that bread loaf, right? So it really took rigorous self-analysis, but I was hungry for it, David. That's the difference between me and other people. Like a lot of clients, I really have to like extrapolate it from them. Right, Come right. on, let me hold your hand. Let's do this. But me... I was so over it. I was so over the self-deception mm-hmm. and, and the facade I was living in that I was so willing to do the work. And I wanted to look at myself. I wanted to look at the way I was reacting to things. I wanted to look at what was actually what I cared about. And when I found that those things were mismatched, I value love. I value acceptance. I value truth. And here I am living a damn lie. That's when I realized that's what creates misery. So Mm -hmm. I started to align consciously, making Mm -hmm. the conscious choice to align with my values. Like if I care about compassion, I need to embody compassion. So it was kind of going from knowing what I know and talking the talk, for example, into putting into practical application what I knew and walking Mm -hmm. the walk and becoming embodied. And it's a process that did not happen overnight Mm -hmm. at all. Um, (laughs) But I, I took that experience of myself and how I did it. And that's actually how I guide my clients because it just turned out to be so perfect. Mm. I think about all the things that we do here on this planet that are external Um, whether it's beauty, right? Because I know just by following you, you value beauty. You value- I love being hot. (laughs) I love it. You value the way that you look, your face, your skin, obviously all of these things. And so in some ways, those things, as well as whether it's the amount of money that one makes or where one lives or what one drives, those things seem almost like just part of the game of life. You know, just like something to enjoy. But it's like, how do you- how do you, I hate to use the word balance, but it's the only word that's coming to me. The game of life, the things that are, that, okay, beauty is fun for you, right? The the shape of your body is fun for you. The, um, of course, luxury or aesthetics or whatever those things. I love beauty. I love things that look nice. I love interior design. I love art. How do we like integrate or balance or think through those things that maybe are strong values versus external things? Or is there even a need to pit those against each other, right? Are they just all enmeshed and they, that somehow they're spiritual too? Like, help me think, how do you, how do you approach that? What a fantastic question. Well, as we know, everything is divine or nothing is divine. So everything is divine. That's my choice. That's my belief. And the way that I see things and the, and the, the spiritual principles that I believe, we chose 
everything about this life. Of course, we have free will. We have autonomy. We have sovereignty. We can make any choice we want, right? We can, which determines the course of our life. But I chose my parents, which chose my genetics. I chose to be a beautiful woman, right? I chose to have a nice body. I chose to have physical strength. So if this is, if this body, if this skin suit is the platform in which I chose to experience this realm, I got to honor it. I'm not going to let myself, um, due to my self-worth and my self-love and knowing that I do value beauty and I love beauty. I love a rose, right? So I'm going to smell it. I'm just going to look at it. I'm going to mm, get up in there. Um, I have to put focus on honoring it because this body that I chose is, you know, divinity in disguise, right? And it goes back down to that value and that perception. Am I putting my worth into my beauty? No. I know that if I got hit by a truck and was, uh, you know, completely disfigured, I would still love myself 1000% because my worthiness comes from so many other things that have nothing to do with my physicality. So when I only put my worth in my beauty and the reaction that people gave me to my beauty, that's when I was miserable because Mm -hmm. I was exploiting one aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. But when I say, you know what, this beauty is a gift. It's part of my experience. It's what I chose. I have it, but it's not my end all be all. This is one sliver of who I am. And really to me, almost the least important, even though I love it. So mm-hmm. we have to really honor the body that we chose. And the truth is, if I didn't want a body, if I didn't want a face, if I didn't want to be a human being, I would still be on the ether. I would not have chose to come here and experience Mm -hmm. this realm with a body that I have to take care of. I want to feed it well. I want to move it well. I want to honor it well. I'm big on self-healing. I can heal myself through intention and gratitude alone. That's what I came here to learn. And for me, and I can't speak to everyone else, it was such part of my soul path, my divine mission here on earth to go from that contrast of I am my body. That's all I am. That's all Mm -hmm. that I'm worth into. Nah, sister, (laughs) you have this thing, but this actually is your limitation. You are an infinite being of love and light and possibility. And this, this body is actually a trap. (laughs) What can Mm -hmm. you do in it? You know? Mm -hmm. So I do think that we all have such unique perspectives and that's our superpowers. And there's nothing wrong with loving nice things. I love the nicest things. Right. I don't derive my personal worth from them. Mm-hmm. I honor them. I love aesthetics. I love design because to me, that's someone else's brilliance and dharma in materialization. That's mm-hmm. literally how I look at things. Everything is divine. Mm-hmm. So when I see God in everything, that's when I am like, okay, I'm self-mastered. And if I don't see God in one thing, I see God in nothing. So I have to look through that divine lens of like, this is so freaking cool. This is reality. Like, <laughs> like it should be really fun for us. Like, this is an adventure. Like you said, a game. Like, this to me is like a video game simulation. And this is my character. Like, this is my Mario. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, even um, thinking about the body, if one is not happy with one's body, let's just say... yeah for whatever reason, um, and puts extreme weight on the unhappiness 
right? Of, of, of how one's body is in reality, one is trying to drive worth from your body because you're unhappy with it, right? I'm mm. not worth something because my body is not uh, where I think it should be. Um, I think once again, we're buying into maybe cultural uh, values of what a body should look like and then find our value there. Um, so it, it, I think it is an interesting process to, to go, wow, what do we, what do we value the most? What do, where do we find our self-worth? And yet at the same time, have the full freedom to enjoy everything about this life, including our bodies, including food, including design, including art. That It's not a pitting against each. It's not pitting spirituality against the physicality of the world. It's seeing the spirituality in the physicality. A thousand percent. To me, that means there's someone who gets it. You know, there's no pitting against anything. That's a perception. That's a mindset. That's programming that we may have received from, let's say, a specific religion or someone else's spiritual journey, someone else's dharma. Maybe their dharma was to come here and denigrate the body and to suffer. That, okay, that's them. That ain't mm-hmm. that ain't my experience. Sure, so sure. It really comes from that self-knowledge. And when we see someone who has low self-worth, And they just keep packing on the pounds. That really goes back to that first topic we discussed where like your mindset is what creates your reality. Mm -hmm. So if I believe that I am sick and a slob Mm -hmm. and ugly, what am I going to keep perpetuating in my life subconsciously through those frequencies? Right. More things to feel that way about. So we have to climb that upward spiral of knowing who we are so rigorous, rigorously, abandoning ourselves to self-knowledge. And guess what? Self-knowledge is also universal knowledge, which is I can't know me or how to harmonize with the universe if I think I'm separate from it. Mm-hmm. My Only my ego tells me that I am not one with the creator. I don't have the hubris to say, I am the creator. I am a reflection of that source. Mm -hmm. And I I can't lie and say, I know how it all works 100%, but I got a pretty good idea. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So we start there and we really get into that self-knowledge, that universal knowledge, you know, understanding um, the different laws of, you know, karma and frequencies and these things. And then we say, oh, I get it. I'm a divine being on a mission and everything is perfect. I chose this. I chose my perceived limitations. I chose my body, you know? And so if this is what I chose. Maybe I came here to overcome it. And by overcoming it, I can show someone else how to overcome it, which is being of service, which is further, you know, anchoring of my soul mission. Wow, I think I figured it out. So yeah, mm-hmm. we, we come here with these certain problems. We come here with these certain issues and we persevere them. And when we persevere them, we show someone else how to do it. And that's really the purpose of life from a spiritual aspect. Mm-hmm. You mentioned karma earlier. How, what is your view on karma? How does that, um, I don't know, how do, you, how do you use that to create a new reality? So karma for me is one of the great ways that I manifest. I manifest gratitude and karma pretty much alone. Karma means, uh, in a nutshell, cause and effect. I love it because it's really present in every religion. You know, what you reap is what you sow in the Bible. And, you know, karma is Hindu and all those things. And it really, it it literally means action. Um, So for every action, we know that there's a reaction. And that's universal law. And that goes for every action, not just the big ones. Like people assume like, oh, you know, I cheated on my boyfriend. Karma's a bitch. You know, it's going to get me back. 
It's every action. You know, like I drink coffee, I'm going to be a little jacked up. I touch a hot stove, I'm going to get burnt. It's literally every single thing. And we also have subconscious karmic choices. Like if someone says to me, oh my God, Andrea, I just love your wild unbrushed hair. In that moment, I have a choice that is stemmed from my own beliefs to be insulted or to be flattered. Mm. And it's really a good example. We can use this in our daily life of knowing where we are and what where we what our beliefs are in that moment. Am I operating from lower consciousness or am I aligning with higher consciousness? So if someone says something to me that really isn't like obviously rude, like, ew, Andrea, your hair. Okay, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. But like, oh yeah, I like your hair, right? And I and I choose to be insulted. I can say, oh God, I, I can see I'm going through life just constantly being insulted. I'm actually looking for places to be offended. That's karma. I'm making mm. a choice. And karma, I perceive as a boomerang. What I throw out comes back and it always comes back amplified. Mm. There's going to be more things for me to find insult with, to be offended by, because I'm choosing to create my reality through that karma of choice. So karma really is in everything. If we want to manifest with karma, maybe let's say I need more appreciation in my life. How would I call that in? Start appreciating, appreciating people, people. Right, right. You want appreciation, you give appreciation. Tell Sally Sue at the front desk at work how much you appreciate the hard work and hustle she does. Tell your tell your mailman how much you appreciate him. It'll come back. Like, it will come back. I love when I um first notice when this really, really works. And I tell everyone to do this. All the listeners, let's do this. On the road, we can get so frustrated when people, you know, have their blinker on. It's like, speed up, buddy. Just get over. Or like, oh, my God. Like, uh. Start waving people over. Start being gracious. Start giving people little hand waves on the road. And I guarantee you, in a week or two, you're going to be like, oh, my God. Everyone is waving me over. I've never had people give me peace signs or waves in my life. What is going on? Yeah, yeah. That's karma. And this every this happens to me all the time. And uh, all my clients, they're like, yep, it's crazy. People are waving me over. Like I'm, It's like I'm in a new reality. I'm like, yes, you're on a higher timeline. You're creating your reality through karma. So karma is, again, not just the big things. It's everything. We can tell by the way that we react. So karma, action, reaction, karma, two things where our karmic filters are, the way we're looking through life based on our programming, both societal and from our parents, generational trauma, um, our lifetime of trauma, wounds we're not addressing, resentments, and uh, we can see how we're operating through those karmic filters. And then we can say, you know what, I want to put some down. I want to mm. I want to roll those karmic filters down and maybe I want to put new ones up of compassion, grace, honesty, forgiveness and acceptance. And obviously mm. it's a process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, one that's of the how things I that the, one of the things that you're um, very passionate about is this concept of self-mastery, mastering oneself. How would you define self-mastery and why is that important to you? Self-mastery. So, okay, it's so funny because I started out my spiritual work as a manifestation coach. And then I realized I'm teaching all my clients 
clients the principles of self-mastery. I'm actually not teaching them, um, you know, let's do a full moon thing and let's manifest with some crystals and some feathers. Like I wasn't doing that at all. I was teaching them to clean up their own frequency. I was teaching them to not just like have spirituality, but to know their spirituality, to cultivate this day in, day out, walking the walk, purity in who they are and living in integrity. I was like, oh, I'm a self-mastery coach. So what that is in a nutshell, it's those who not only have that rigorous self-awareness, but they live from that divine space. They operate from that intimate self-knowledge, that intimate self-honesty, and they're in harmony with universal and natural law. Basically, what that means is they have embodied, they have integrated the spiritual principles that they may know into every facet of their waking life. So it's like, I don't understand acceptance. I am in acceptance. I don't believe in the divine. I know the divine. I don't preach integrity. I walk in integrity. So the self-mastered don't operate from the ego, which is that lower consciousness I keep talking about, the mind Mm -hmm. or the intellect. Those are tools in their spiritual tool shed. So this means absolute fearlessness. The self-mastered are heart-centered people who don't operate through judgment or uh, criticism, which I know when I had, you know, just my misery, that's all I did, judging everyone, jealous of everyone, criticizing everyone, because that made me feel self-important, which just flamed my ego, right? So the divine self... um, which the self-mastered are aligned with makes moves through the power of unconditional love and acceptance of all. So I, when I'm self-mastered, allow others the dignity of their own failures and life lessons. It's not up to me to teach them because the ego needs to be right. The ego needs to teach. The ego needs to control. Whereas the soul just has peace, wants peace, Mm. and allows other the space for their own divine journey. I have nothing to do with it. If someone asks me, of course, I'll guide them, but I'm not here to force other people, right, to follow my path. So Mm. self-mastered are pretty fearless. Uh, The self-mastered are doubtless, which is why they can manifest like OGs, because Mm. we, you and I know the only thing that gets in the way of true manifestation of our deepest desires is doubt, Mm-hmm. So that's why self-mastery affords itself to like ridiculous manifestations. And we ride the waves of life in full faith. And this is why I encourage everyone to get closer to their own individual higher power source. And if anyone listening needs help identifying what their you know divine team is, you can reach out to me. I always help people identify it or come up with their own concept. Um So to master oneself, David, is to truly get out of the self, get out of the head and get into the heart. And it means to live honestly Mm. and to uncover the crud that we've accumulated over the decades of hurt and that trauma and not allow that karmic crud, that sludge, that karmic grime to rule our beliefs, our emotions, our reactions, our words, our thoughts, our outlook and our manifestations. Mm -hmm. And we got to address those underlying fears Uh, to truly get there. Because anytime I have a misperception, anytime I have a bad reaction, there's always an underlying fear I've discovered. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first started this work, I said, I'm not a fearful person. What are you talking about? And then I'm realizing, oh no, when I do lash out at um, my husband, it's because I have an underlying fear that maybe we're going to break up Mm -hmm. and I'm going to lose the house. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell our families, 
And that's why I'm acting so crazy because that fear mm. is driving that reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of cool when you know your underlying fears, which the self-mastered do, because in those moments where I'm acting like a crazy lunatic, I say, hey, babe, I am so sorry for my reaction. I know that it came from the fear that uh, we might break up, which is a, which is a fear that is unwarranted. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to work on that. And I've mm -hmm. identified the fear and it turns into this beautiful conversation. So instead mm -hmm. of like an argument spiraling out into like door slamming and I'm staying at my mom's, that's never happened, even though it could have. I know why I acted like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to continue acting like that. Sure, sure. So it's really a beautiful thing. It's, it's this rigorous self-honesty, this rigorous self-knowledge. I truly know every facet of myself, which helps me navigate those karmic boomerangs I'm throwing mm -hmm. out. It's yes, so yes. rad. <laughs> mm. Your brand or business is called the I Am Everything Project. What is the, right. What's the story behind this? Well, I am are some of my favorite words. You know, many say the two most powerful words in the English language or all language. And I am is knowing, right? It's not thinking. It's not wondering. It's no, I am. And I realized through my own journey, I am not one thing. I am everything. I am my own nutritionist. I'm my own doctor. I'm my own healer. I am my own medicine. I am my own therapist. Like I am my own everything. And I love that. I just had to get out of my own way and I had to stop outsourcing my power. You know, when I first started my journey, David, I was giving all my power to psychics, tarot readers, uh, all these things. And don't get me wrong. I love all that. You know, I love all that. But that's not where I derive my spirituality. That's me mm -hmm. tapping into someone else's divination mm -hmm. and spirituality. So I wasn't cultivating any of my own. Once I started going to myself, going within, practicing gratitude, practicing meditation, practicing knowledge and wisdom and embodiment, that's when I truly became everything. Mm -hmm. So that's why I created my um, signature offering, the I Am Everything Project, because I want my clients and the women and men that I mentor to know that they are too. And it doesn't mean that in times of, you know, need, we don't get a combo session and we don't do a circle and we don't, you know, go to something at BTL, which I love. We do all that. But mm -hmm. that's not the genesis of it. Those are awesome additions tools to, and resources yes to further mm -hmm. cultivate and further ramp up what i know and who i'm tribing up with and what my frequency is calling in their mm -hmm. tools yeah so if somebody wants to work with you to create their own self mastery what is what is your you know process what how do you help them Totally. So anyone can go to my website, my name, andrealowell.com, or they can head over to my Instagram page, which is my fave, as we probably all know, because I'm on there all the time. It's clearly the I Am Everything Project. And my link tree always is current with free offerings, free guides for people, but also links to learn more about the I Am Everything Project, including price points and two months, six months, 12 months, all that. And from there, you start the application process, which is you fill out a form and then we hop on the phone to see if we're a perfect fit because I'm all about vi vibrational alignment. And if I get on the phone with someone and I don't think that it's the right vibe or I'm the right coach for them, 
I will actually probably refer them to someone else at mm-hmm. that time. Um, if we're both vibing, if we're both like, oh my God, this is it. I feel it. Your willingness coupled with my like, like sole purpose of just wanting to catapult people into self-mastery is aligned. We do it right then and there. And then um, we hook up for the mentorship opportunities. So it's super easy and there's no strings attached. You know, if someone signs up for a call with me and it's not a match, at the very least, they will leave with so many suggestions and tips for them to start their path. Because as you can tell, I'm so excited about this and I love just putting people in the direction of their highest expression, you know, and that includes wellness, that includes mindset, and that includes manifestations of their wildest dreams. Mm, all right, andrealowell.com. And uh, I am everything project is your Instagram. And so if you're listening on your phone now, you can swipe up and you'll see both of those links in the description of this episode. So Andrea, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and your energy and all of your, your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. And I can't wait to see you in person and give you a big hug. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who would enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot, text it to them, and tell them to check out BehindTheLidsPodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on the podcast platform where you are listening. We'll see you next time, Behind the Lids.